This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains you to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Uzair Hamad. And I'm Ariana Cordova. Generation Justice would like to remind you that this program is being broadcast on stolen indigenous land. Tonight, we reflect on the recent events in the state. Specifically, we focus on the removal of the Oñate statues and share some of our history of New Mexico that includes the brutalization and colonization of indigenous people. On June 15th, a protest against the city of Albuquerque's Oñate statue at the Albuquerque Museum culminated in a shooting of a local protester. There were many people who came to express many different views and beliefs. As a result of the violence and shooting, the city of Albuquerque took down the Oñate statue the next day. Several of the groups who have been committed to racial justice, liberation, and indigenous rights met the next day to share their pain, history, and provide both healing and demands of the city leadership. Tonight, we highlight the voices of two of the community leaders who have brought the community together. What they had to share was so powerful and important, we at GJ wanted to share their impactful statements with you. Alita Paisano Suazo, who is lovingly known as Tweedy, is a longtime community leader from the Pueblos of Acoma and Laguna. As a Pueblo woman, Tweedy has worked for indigenous rights for many, many years. She was active over 20 years ago when the city of Albuquerque erected the statue of Oñate and the Juanada at the museum site. She provides us with a broad history of New Mexico from the perspective of the Acoma people. Jim Harvey is the new executive director of Albuquerque Center for Peace and Justice. This center has been the hub of pulling community together to build and envision peace through liberation and justice. Jim brings us a statement representing community demands for many organizations. We've also included some great community calendar events this evening to share with you. At GJ, we believe that music is important for sharing messages of hope and healing. So, this evening, our youth producers, very thoughtfully, have selected music for you. To start our night off, here's Power to the People by John Lennon. Alita Paisano Suazo is the chairwoman of the Native American Democratic Caucus of New Mexico and a longtime community organizer and leader from Acoma and Laguna Pueblos. History is so important, and accurate history is even more critical. Tweedy shares the history of the Spanish invasion of the Acoma people and the brutality that Juan de Oñate committed against Pueblo people. Hello, everybody. My name is Alita Paisano Suazo. However, I'm better known as Tweedy. I'm from the Pueblos of Acoma and Laguna. I am Yamihanu, Eagle Clan, from my Acoma mother, and I'm Mayohanu, Lizard Clan, from my Laguna father. 20 years ago, I was part of the Circle of Voices, 
which was a group of concerned Native people, many Akumas, Hispanic and non-Indian supporters who were concerned about the basic human dignity, honor, and respect, and who were opposed to the erection of a statue of Juan de Oñate in Albuquerque because of the brutalities and atrocities he committed against the Akuma and other Pueblo people. Let me give you a little history of Oñate's creation. October 1994, the City Council established an Oñate Cuatro Centenario Committee, which was to make recommendations on an appropriate piece of artwork to commemorate the 1998 Oñate Cuatro Centenario and mark the 400 years since the Spaniards entered New Mexico in 1598. February 23rd, 1999, the Albuquerque Arts Board Planning Committee, which was composed of eight Hispanics, four Native Americans, and one Anglo, transmitted its findings and recommendations to the Albuquerque City Council. Two weeks later, March 1st, 1999, Albuquerque City Council passed resolution 184, directing the commission of the statue of Juan de Oñate, along with the settlers that arrived with him. The city councilors ignored the planning committee's recommendation. I also want to state that in this resolution 184, the art installation was to be placed in Tigüey Park. Tigüey Park is the only Albuquerque park named for the Tiwa Pueblo Indians that lived in the area. So putting an Oñate statue at Tigüey was beyond us. We couldn't see how they would even want that there. Two weeks later, on March 16th, 1999, Mayor Jim Baco vetoed the resolution 184. In his memorandum to the city council, he stated, quote, celebrating our history should be about appreciating our rich culture that we have built together. I hope you can understand and share the concerns of the sensitivity of this issue and the need to honor and respect all of our communities." Unquote. Three weeks later, April 5th, 1999, the Albuquerque City Council voted seven to two to override the mayor's veto. That's how the statue was built. We had the support of community members, we had the support of religious members, human right organizations, but it didn't matter to the seven city councilors that voted to override the mayor's veto. Now, let me tell you about the man, Juan de Oñate. Oñate financed his expedition through indigenous slave labor in the mines of Zacatecas, Mexico. Oñate had to write a grant application to settle New Mexico and his proposal and exploration contact 
were based on the colonization laws of 1573. Before Oñate left Mexico, the viceroy, who is the king's representative, gave Oñate a set of instructions to guide his conduct as a colonizer. He reminded Don Oñate to pay strict observance to the colonization laws of 1573, since they reflected the king's determination to protect the Indians, unquote. 1598, Oñate entered New Mexico area. Following the first Spanish settlement in today's Santo Domingo, Kiwa Pueblo, complaints about abuses of Indians and atrocities against them began to filter back to Spain. At first, the Spanish crown tried to hush up such talks, but when clerics stepped in to report what they had seen, Spain had to act. 1599, the battle at Acoma Pueblo is described in chilling and gruesome detail in several first person accounts, including dozens of pages of trial testimony that have survived for four centuries. The battle is recounted in the epic poem of Gaspar Perez de Bolegra, who was the expedition scribe. He wrote, quote, the Spaniards met the foe with gallant effort, causing terrible havoc among them with their sharp blades. Here a skull opened wide, here a throat was cut from ear to ear, here an arm, here a leg dismembered, blood flowed like water. Their swords dripped gore from the very hilts. Soldiers, he wrote, tripped over bodies of slain Indians and, quote, not an object on the rock, meaning Acoma, remained unstained that day from the torrents of blood that flowed, unquote. Oñate was responsible for the killing of hundreds of Acoma men, women, and children, and the brutal sentencing of survivors, which included the cutting off of some of the men's right foot. 1601, one of Oñate's own men, Captain Luis Casco de Velasco, wrote a letter to the Viceroy of New Spain to persuade the crown to end Oñate's rule. According to Velasco, once the Spaniards had rounded up their surviving Acomas, they did not simply take them as prisoners. Quote, although the Indians surrendered after a short period of war and gave the Spaniards maize, blankets, and some fowl, Velasco said, Oñate's first lieutenant, Vicente de Zaldivar, rounded up the Acomas and drove them to the Estufas or Kivas. What followed, Velasco said, was not the mass suicide his fellow soldiers had described. According to Velasco's, it was a massacre. Velasco's wrote, quote, then belonging to him with some other soldiers, put them to the sword and hurled them down the rock 
on which the Pueblo was situated, unquote. 1601, Oñate was also responsible for the killing of 800 men, women, and children from Hominos tribe in central New Mexico. The same year, two thirds of the Spanish settlers fled back to Mexico because of his cruel treatment toward his own people. 1614, 13 years later, Juan de Oñate was tried and convicted for the numerous crimes which included rape, disloyalty, murder, adultery, and stealing from the king, among other counts. He was found guilty by his peers against not only Pueblo people, but his own people here in New Mexico. As punishment, he was banished from the state of New Mexico for life, fined 600 Spanish ducats, and exiled from Mexico City for four years. After Oñate was banished from New Mexico, he went back and operated the mines again in Zacatecas, Mexico, becoming wealthy off indigenous slave labor and paid off his fines with this money money that was made off the back of indigenous people. 1622, Juan de Oñate appealed his decision, but it was denied by the King of Spain, who stated, quote, I am much surprised that in such reprehensible cases, the consul should appeal from a decision I have taken, unquote. 20 years ago, I was so devastated when the then Albuquerque city councilors voted to override Mayor Baca's decision, despite the fact that we had support from many multicultural Albuquerque residents. Maybe with the current atmosphere of looking at monuments and statues that glorify atrocities committed against other people, maybe there is hope now that Albuquerque will realize and see the real truth about this man who has a statue at the Albuquerque Museum. Do you want a monument to a war criminal here in Albuquerque? This man had his knee on the necks of indigenous people here in New Mexico and Red Lives Matter. In closing, I'd like to state the current presidential administration has shown time and time again that they're unwilling to address our nation's painful history with compassion and understanding. Instead, they've dismissed native voices and put out dog whistles that embolden dangerous and violent racists. Over the last few weeks, millions of Americans have come together to speak out against injustice and now more than ever, we need a president who is willing to uplift the voices of people of color, including native voices, and create a space for a peaceful conversation. I hope everybody gets out and votes. Thank you. Thank you, Tweedy, for detailing the injustices that Onyate committed against Native Americans and shedding light on his character, which I didn't know about before. I want to thank you for sharing your activism. 
which put into perspective the injustice of building a statue of a colonizer upon indigenous land and in the only park named for native people. I'm grateful for the chance to have learned something I wasn't aware of before. In honor of you, Tweedy, we chose this song, One World by Taboo, who wrote this song in honor of Indigenous Peoples Day in hopes of showing accurate and positive representations of Indigenous people. Jim Harvey is the executive director of the Albuquerque Center for Peace and Justice. He's also a former public health professional with more than 35 years of service to federal, state, and local health departments. Mr. Harvey recently spoke at a press conference following the shooting of a peaceful protester at the hands of armed militant racists. He shares the collective demands that organizers and citizens are making of our city leadership. Good afternoon, everyone, and especially to the listeners of Generation Justice. My name is Jim Harvey. I'm the executive director of the Albuquerque Center for Peace and Justice, and it's an honor and a privilege to be able to join you today. Uh, I'm here to share with you uh, information that ties back to the demonstration of June 16th uh, that resulted in the removal of the Onyate statue in downtown Albuquerque, and to let you know about some subsequent uh, issues, demands, and developments uh, that go along with that. We put together a press release that we issued that day, and I'm not going to bore you with all the particulars that are contained in the press release, but I think it's important that we share the demands. When I wrote this press release in cooperation with the other participating organizations, the foundation, and it's become my mantra uh, in these protests, the foundation is that our first realization is that institutional racism cannot be just dismissed with the introduction of a policy. Institutional racism uh, is the heart of uh, what has been created to oppress us as, as people of color, as African-Americans, as indigenous people, as Hispanic people. So with that understanding, you know, the reality is that we cannot expect those institutions to change overnight or to change voluntarily we've got to continue to pressure from the outside and from the inside to make certain that cultural change and policy change is in, uh, in fact happens. Uh, so we know that and we're very clear in terms of the demands that, uh, uh, that we have made, not just in relation to June 16th, but in terms of all the other things that we're out in the street protesting about right now. As we look at this, we know clearly that the removal of uh, Onyate 
uh, is just a scratch on the surface. Uh, Confederate memorials, Confederate names, uh, statues around the country uh, that are symbols of racism and that salute and support the, the history of slavery in this country also have to come down. But when you look around places like Albuquerque, New Mexico, when you look around New Mexico period, when you look around this country celebrating uh, the Spanish conquistadors and the slavers and the brutality that came with their presence uh, on these lands, all those images need to, to be removed as well. So Anyate was just the beginning of, of uh, uh, what has got to be a long march toward removing the symbols of racism, brutality, genocide, and, and other injustice against people of color. Our coalition of organizations recognizes that we are facing years of racism that is deeply embedded in, in this and most other police departments, for example, around the country. And while we also know we cannot expect the systems designed to oppress us, as I said, to also protect us, the change to all these institutions has to begin and it has to begin now. We'll keep marching. We therefore put forth the following demands as steps towards systemic change. Now here are the demands that we issued on June 18th. While we recognize Mayor Keller's new initiative for more service-oriented response programs that will replace police answering nonviolent calls, we demand that the money to support these new programs be taken from the APD budget. The Albuquerque Police Department, on, you know, like many other police departments around the country, command a huge part of municipal budgets. That's not good. Other programs, other essential programs, social services programs, education, libraries, suffer because the police command such a large portion of the budget. That has to stop. So as the mayor puts forth this new program, we want the money to support that program to come from the, from the APD budget. It makes no sense that APD should continue to enjoy the excessive funding levels it does while other essential programs suffer budget cuts. Our second demand, we also recognize that similar to too many jurisdictions around the country, police unions are often a major obstacle to real reform. So we understand that the uh, union's contract is up at the end of this month, at the end of June. And we are urging the mayor to delay renewing the police union contract until after major policy changes have been enacted. That is not to say that we are anti-union, but we are against any groups that would pressure uh, to maintain the status quo. That's unacceptable. We are demanding an immediate demilitarization of the Albuquerque Police Department. These tanks, this heavy artillery, these heavily armored vehicles that we see, the military uniforms that many of the police officers wear often when coming to the demonstrations, that stuff's got to go. If we're gonna have real community policing, let's have real community policing where the police feel like and look like they are in fact a part of the community. 
There's no need for APD to be equipped with heavy artillery and armored vehicles to such an extent that they are rolled out at nearly every disturbance, peaceful or not. We demand that APD begin an immediate revisiting of the psychological assessments of all police officers. Why is that important? It's important because APD, just like many other police departments around the country, have a long and established history of intentionally recruiting uh, white racist and bigoted uh, candidates to their police departments from places where it's clear that they don't like, don't care for, don't support communities of color. But they rely on these police officers to oppress and suppress uh, activities that go on in those communities. That has to stop. We believe that the police department needs to be purged of police officers with those attitudes. We demand that APD begin a sincere introduction of cultural appropriateness and sensitivity for all officers through the return of diversity training. The police academy used to have a diversity training program and for some reason that program got stopped about two years ago. It needs to come back again because this is uh, an opportunity for people from the community, from communities of color, African-Americans, Asians, Latinos, Hispanics to come in and talk about the realities of our existence and our presence here and the experiences you know, of engagement with the police. Cadets coming out of the police academy need to be sensitized to what is appropriate as far as responses are concerned. We demand that the backlog of excessive force reports and officer-involved shootings be referred to the newly to a newly empowered Citizens Police Overview, Overview Board endowed with greater enforcement authority. This is really important. And I was on a call yesterday where we were talking about the reconstitution, the reconstituting of the Citizens Police Overview uh, Authority to make certain that it is a representative of the community, that it looks like the community, that the people that are on it are people who are tied to and committed to the community, and that these excessive force complaints and that these police-involved shooting complaints that are all tied up in a bottleneck somewhere need to go to that board, they need to be reviewed, and then as appropriate, they need to be then handed off to um, the district attorney's office for further investigation and possibly even prosecution. That's not happening. It needs to happen. It needs to happen now. We also demand that the mayor begins to implement his new programs. The planning committee should be opened up to citizens drawn from the ranks of the organized and peaceful protesters that have called attention to the racism and violence we have experienced over the years. Who best to advise the mayor on what these new programs should look like and how they should operate but those of us who have had the experience on the ground. So what happened Monday night should never happen again. That's a wish, that's a wish. That's wishful thinking in fact. But we hope that uh, with increased dialogue, we can in fact uh, 
see some real change. But we've got to keep protesting. We have to keep the pressure up, but we also have to lobby for direct dialogue with the authorities so we get things moving. I understand that there are other statues around the city of Albuquerque that also represent the insults, also represent the brutality. Those have to come down as well. I know that a few years ago, there was a Civil War memorial um, to the Confederacy uh, on the plaza down in Old Town. And uh, we lobbied for that to be removed and it has since been removed. These are merely symbols, but they're ugly reminders of an ugly history that we've had to endure. Those things have to go. And I think that the mayor is disposed to the idea of making certain that that happens. But we have to keep the pressure up. We have to keep the marching going. We have to keep the negotiations going. We have to keep the petitions going. We have to keep the uh, lists of demands going, expand them, make certain that we don't miss anything. And that's the only way we're gonna to begin to see some real change here. Thank you, Mr. Harvey, for informing us about the oppression from police forces and pushing forward the calls from the community for change to be made. I appreciate you sharing with your knowledge with us and our listeners. Thank you, Mr. Harvey, for talking about the reforms community members would like to see enacted by city leaders. This next song was chosen by Jim Harvey for its message that the people are paying attention and are determined. Here is We Won't Be Fooled Again by The Who. Now, we have chosen the song Brown Skin Girl from Beyonce, St. John, Wizkid, and Blue Ivy Carter. Brown skin girl, your skin just like pearls, your back against the world, I never tried you for anybody else, a brown skin girl, your skin just like pearls, the best thing in the world. Who's like a trophy when Naomi's walking? She need an Oscar for that pretty dark skin. Pretty like Lupita when the camera's closing. Drip broke the levy when my Kelly's rolling. I think tonight she might break her brain. Melanin too dark to throw her. We hope you've enjoyed this hour of community action. We'd like to thank our guests, Tweedy Paisano Suazo and Jim Harvey. Tonight's Hour of Radio was produced by Kateri Zuni, Barbara Ramirez, and Roberta Rael. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts.
We're also active on social media. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our playlist on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the Kona Health Foundation and of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. Our last songs of the night are Slow Up by Jacob Banks, Not a Damn Thing Changed by Lucas Graham and Be Free by J. Cole. I am Uzair Hamad. And I'm Ariana Cordova. Coming up next on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good night, New Mexico. Good night, New Mexico. your backbone don't you grow up on me slow up homie don't you grow up on me keep it og sip it slowly don't you grow up on me slow up homie don't you grow up on me not a damn thing changed all the boys that grew up back to back still do the same things now they'll be awarding our records but we still do the same things i'm just spitting words out my mouth i made it i still don't know how damn it my stage show can light up the clouds now i'm gonna blow it until i go out bring it not a damn thing changed just a funeral And I'm in denial And it don't take no x-ray to see right through my smile I know I'll be on the go And it ain't no drink out there that can numb my soul Oh no All we want to do is take the chains off All we want to do is break the chains off All we want to do is be